Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. I am Troy Shockley, and this is the Coffee Break Podcast. Thanks for joining our chat today. Coffee Break brought to you by Cochrane Insurance. Helena Public School Superintendent Tyler Reem is our guest this morning. We did sort of last minute lose Attorney General Tim Fox, but that just means we get to hang out with Tyler a little bit longer today, which is never a bad thing. Yeah. Tyler, how are you? You're, I'm good. You're stuck with me. I'm, I'm right. sorry about that, but yeah, <laughs> you get a whole half an hour of me. Yeah, well, I don't mind. I don't. I don't know about those listening out there. I I think they're okay with it. <laughs> All right, good. I, I mean, right now, of course, everyone's focus is on COVID. I mean, and and looking at the numbers in the district, they've really been very, very good for the bulk of the year. And then the last couple of weeks, they they have taken a jump, haven't they? They have. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, it's a unique thing to graph the overall cases in the county and graph the cases that are associated with students and employees in the Helena Public Schools. There is, um, the graphs are the same shape. Uh, so um, unfortunately, um, you know, what's happening in the community also impacts what's taking place inside schools. I mean, uh, we're, we're in school, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day. Um, but we're we're also in the community in other places, um, and and uh, it's definitely having an impact on us. Yeah. So if you look at that line graph, it sounds like you were not too far removed once the county and the state started going up. That's when yours started going up as well, or at least a little bit delayed, maybe. There was definitely the the you know we've always been on this kind of upward trend, right? If you go mm-hmm. back to. Um, really early September, or maybe it was mid-September, we've been on this steady climb upwards. But then there was this kind of radical kick upwards that occurred a couple weeks ago. And I remember, right, we contact Trace and, and do all of that all weekend long. And there was a weekend, probably three weekends ago, where I was like, what on earth is happening here? And, and, and then it made sense that Monday when talking to county officials, they had seen a significant uh, upward trend overall across the county. And so our trend upward correlated with their trend upward answered a lot of questions. I think that's part of the reason why it has been so helpful to have a partnership with um, health professionals, including our health officials at Lewis and Clark Public Health, is they, they can answer some of those questions. We can see some things and say, hold on, what's going on here? And they can give us the context to say, well, let's, let's talk about what's happening in the county. Let's talk about where we're seeing cases and the situations in which we're seeing those cases. And that's been great context for us because we can't see it in the raw data. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like when it, when you look at the numbers, because uh, if, if folks don't know, you can go on uh, Helena Public Schools on their website. Uh, there is a link. I mean, it's, it's not like any of this is being uh, hidden behind a curtain. Uh, they're letting us know how many cases are at individual schools, how many cases among staff, students, that sort of thing. It does look like the high schools are, are really the hot spot. Is that is that fair? I, well, yes. I mean, but, but if, you, if you take the numbers, take the raw number for student population and, and then divide the, the number of mm-hmm. cases by it, um, we actually have elementaries, um, a couple of elementaries that actually per student have a, a slightly higher rate, or at least they did last time I, I ran those numbers. Um, you know, Capital High School, I believe, has the most. They also have the most students, right? So um, you kind of factor those, those across. Um, but but I would say in general we're we're 
we're challenged more in the middle and the high school areas than we are the elementary. Not to say we're free and clear of challenges sure. in the elementary, but, but high schools seem to be a, a more significant challenge and, and followed by middle schools. Helen Public School Superintendent Tyler Ream with us this morning. And uh, I, I guess through contact tracing, that sort of thing, do we know if this is being passed at school or is this something, that, something that's coming, uh, I, I guess, from outside? So the, the I mean, we have, I, I would say we have an absolutely amazing employee group across the Helena Public Schools. Um, certainly within that group are our school nurses. I think they, they have always been invaluable for, for lots of reasons in any given year. I can't imagine um, school in, in, you know, in this era without having a, public, uh, a, a school nurse. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, they've taken on a significant importance in this time of COVID, in this pandemic. And so thankfully, while the county cannot keep up with the pace of cases and do contact tracing for every positive case, we are still able to do that only for school and only for our students and for our employees, right? So if we have a student that um, we get a call from a parent, student tested positive, we're able to look, A day, B day cohort, we're able to look at classrooms, we're able to look at seating charts, we're able to look at bus seating charts, um, we're able to talk to that student, talk to anybody that may have been a close contact and make a determination whether or not anybody was a close contact and, and do what has been encouraged of us all along, which is kind of know where your cases are, um, understand who's impacted, and isolate, right? That's, that's, that's been one of the remedies, if you will, or one of the, the formulas to lowering cases. That's probably what we're struggling to do right now across our county or across our state, is that we don't necessarily know who all has been impacted. But part of doing that and knowing for sure is we can look at correlation between cases and say, all right, we have two cases or three cases reported at Capitol High School. Do they have any correlation within the school or beyond the school? And, and we have, you know, that data that we can share back with the, the, the public uh, health officers, and they can look at it and say, yeah, we're seeing some cases or we're not. And, and feedback to date has always been there are a lot of places in this community where people are, are where the virus is being transmitted, people are being exposed. Schools have not proven to be one of those cases. And I think that's one of the areas of frustration with me and with, with so many people is we keep talking about closing schools and I get that, but that would be the only aspect of our community that we have closed. And I, I candidly question, like, is that what we want to be as a community? Do we want to close our schools first ahead of mm -hmm. anything else, especially if we've proven that schools aren't a source for virus transmission. Yes, we have a couple of isolated incidents where people work closely together or something in that situation where we, we, we think there's virus transmission that may have occurred, but a vast majority of those cases are not connected to school in any regard. There are health officials that have said, quite candidly, we could close schools and nothing could happen across our community. In fact, it might actually get worse because we're closing an aspect of our community that is not associated with virus transmission. Yeah, so, it's actually working. Um, it's, it's safer for those students and the faculty and staff to be in the building for, for that amount of time. Potentially it is, right, because we're distanced, we're masked, we have cleaning protocols in place. When you go over to your neighbor's house, those things aren't there. Um, and, and so um, it, is, it is the 
the given hours of a day where those things are guaranteed to have occurred. And, and in saying that, I would take my hat off to our employees, to our students, to their parents for adhering to those protocols. None of them are fun. None of them are what we want to do. Um, but it's what we need to do to keep people safe. And I think for the most part, everyone associated with the Helen Public Schools have done a phenomenal job of getting schools up and running and keeping them up and running in a sustainable way. But we're, we're not bulletproof in this regard. We are being impacted by what's happening in the community. And I fear that it's going to have some significant negative ramifications on our ability to run schools. Yeah. Helena Public School Superintendent Tyler Ream with us this morning. And I, I spoke with East Helena Superintendent Ron Whitmore yesterday afternoon, and they've had to close down Radley Elementary there, not because of, you know, massive outbreak in the student body, but staffing issues. They've got enough staff right now being quarantined or that, that tested positive that they just don't have. He told me if, if they sent home all the cohorts that went with all of the, that staff, they'd be left with about a quarter of the building. And it didn't make sense to keep it open. Uh, so they just didn't have staff to keep it going. Is is that the concern here? Yes, but we're right, I would say we're right there on the line um, with several of our buildings, uh, several of our schools. And and I would say it's not just the East Helena Public Schools. It's certainly the Helena Public Schools, and I think probably every school district in Montana. We're just seeing case counts that are so high in our community, and, and we're not – Again, we're not differentiated from those case counts. They will impact us. And so, you know, as of yesterday, um, you know, we've got roughly 200 people who are not able to physically be in our building. Now, that is a combination of quarantines, people who actually have COVID, um, people who are symptomatic, um, meaning that they've got that runny nose. And, and, and in a normal year, they'd come to school, but this year they're being safe and they're not, and we're thankful for that. And then we have quite a few that are caretakers for um, people who may be quarantined or children who have had their schools closed, um, which is certainly impacting us. And so if I take 200, right, out of a total um, employee group of roughly 1,000, that's a significant number. If If you're running a business or something in that regard and you've got that proportion of employees that can't be there, that strains the business, but you potentially, you know, double shift or, you know, Mm -hmm. this or that, and you can overcome it. We can't do that in schools. Everybody in schools is largely associated with either a specific job or a specific group of students. And so we don't have a lot of options to double and triple. Um, There's no, there's no second shift in in schools, right? We can't say, we can't say these teachers work um, you know, 16 hours a day, um, and and we, we run school until, you know, 10 o'clock at night. That's just not an option for us. And so there comes a point where we have people who can teach. They just can't teach physically in the building. And and so I think we're right there where East Helena Public Schools are, um, where we've got a situation where we just don't have enough people physically to be present with our students in the building well and that i exacerbated i know by you know the the subs are just hard to come by right now um you know talking with ron he said we're looking at our numbers and i know they're pulling out of largely the same group that you are for subs or i would assume so um he's saying we're less than a third when we're looking at the sub pool of what we normally have Is, is is that what you're looking at as well we are absolutely and and our you know, a consistent group of 
of fantastic substitutes has always been retirees, right? So there's that retiree who worked at ABC Elementary for 25 years. She retires, and then she's kind of the go-to for her colleagues in retirement. And it's a great opportunity for her to stay involved in teaching, stay involved with the staff that she loves and the students that she loves, but also not do you know, the five-day-a-week piece. That's, that's not the case this year. That, that substitute um, largely isn't available for us this year because they're you know, 68, 72 years old, and, and they're not going to take the risk of being in schools. Um, or, you know, to that matter, you know, not going to take the risk of being, you know, involved in the community that much right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, and that's a good decision, but we, we lose out on a significant group of our most consistent subs when, you know, this pandemic hit, and rightfully so. So it's kind of, uh, you know, we've kind of got multiple things that are, are occurring here that really constrains the staffing piece. Yeah. Helena Public School Superintendent Tyler Reem is with us on Coffee Break this morning, and we've got to take a break during the show. We'll go ahead and do that now, uh, give him a chance to caffeinate a little bit, and then we'll come back and chat more. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break. I appreciate you hanging out with us this morning. Helena Public School Superintendent Tyler Ream with us today. And we were talking right before the break just about the fact that uh, schools potentially being closed down for a couple of weeks, not because of outbreaks in the schools, but because there's just not enough staff to go around, not enough subs to go around. I would guess, Tyler, that's probably a national trend, isn't it? Very much so, yes. For anybody that is um, in any form of in-person school, whether it be, you know, the five-day-a-week model or even a hybrid model, um, I think everybody is constrained in that regard. Yeah, and so, I mean, you have to be talking about numbers right now. Um, at what point do we close down? I mean, is there a once we lose X amount of people or is it just a feeling of, you know what, now we just don't have enough people. We've got to shut this building down for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's a really good question. It's kind of the magic number question, right? And and so if you had asked me the magic number question two weeks ago, I would have given you a number that we've already crossed. And right. so really, quite honestly, it's it's working with our school principals every single day to say, where are we at? Are you able to cover this? Um, you know, I think everybody is doing everything that they can. We've got teachers who are giving up prep periods um, on a regular basis. We've got um, paras who... Um, haven't been in the position of a para because they've been serving as the classroom teacher for, for several weeks. They're doing everything they can to cover every single one of these absences. We do have teachers that are available to teach, but they're quarantined or they're caretakers at home. And so they can teach. They can be online. We can put them on a smart board. They just can't physically be in the building. Right. Um, and, and, and so, you know, who do we backfill, um, you know, that, that classroom with? And so, 
um, you know, I, I know our students um, see it because, you know, any given day, they might have Miss Smith's classroom, but they might have so-and-so in, in, in the room who's, you know, running over after their class um, to, to try to be in that classroom and cover um, that period. So, you know, we're doing everything that we can to keep our schools up and running. Um, this is especially challenging, I think, at the, at the middle and high school level. Um, and, and, you know, when do we cross that number? I don't know exactly. It's when, you know, our schools kind of say to us, we don't have anybody. We, we are going to have consistent empty classrooms because we just don't have anybody. Or we've got everybody in, you know, the gym or the library, um, and, and they're all on Chromebooks, and, and we got one staff member. At that point, we kind of say, what's, what's the yeah, point? What's the point if everybody's point? Yeah. On, <laughs> yeah, if everybody's on Chromebooks watching somebody who's not there teach, um, it's, in essence, we're, we're having a study hall for remote learning. And so I think we're, we're fast approaching that point here in Helena. I think every school district is. Uh, some school districts have crossed that line already. Great Falls Public Schools mm -hmm. um, did, I believe, last week. I think um, Butte made the decision yesterday where they crossed that line and said, we don't have people. Um, we can't. The will is there. We just don't have people. Um, and, and, and that's not a Helena Public Schools issue. It, it might feel like it to parents or students or even employees. This really is a community issue. Um, and, and I think when we make, you know, as a community, when we make hard decisions, um, we can either help our, our public schools and our students out or we can hurt them. Um, and we're in a place right now that I think we've got to get our hands around this. We're long past the place where we've got to get our hands around this. But if we don't, and we don't do it very, very soon, like now, um, we won't have the opportunity to attend school in person. And it won't be because the school district did something wrong. It's simply because we don't have people um, to, to be physically present with students in school. Yeah, I mean, the good news, it's, it's a good news, bad news thing, I guess, that we've just, made, uh, just about made the Thanksgiving break. I know that's a nice milestone for the year considering everything that's been thrown against you, but just like the medical professionals, you've got to be a little bit concerned about Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, what follows that because you've, you've got potential gatherings and that sort of thing. That's got to feel like a little bit of a, a crossing your fingers kind of scenario, isn't it? Totally. Absolutely. We, because if we can go back and look at what happened after 4th of July, what happened after Labor Day, what happened, you know, within two to three weeks after Halloween, for example. Every time we've crossed one of those, those you know, events, um, we have seen cases go up because gatherings occur in a social manner. Um, Thanksgiving and Christmas are that on steroids, right? So um, if, if the pattern holds, we will see a significant uptick. It's a hard to, manage, or to imagine that there is an uptick available from where we're at, but yeah. it seems like every time we cross one of these thresholds, you know, I remember the first time that Montana reported over 100 cases, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, we, we, as, a, as a state, I would do anything to go back to report 100 cases um, yeah. in a day, right? Yeah. So um, we keep crossing these thresholds, um, but there's, there's, there's aspects that will break if, if we continue to, to move forward and, and case counts continue to go up. And so I, I have learned that my um, 
degrees largely associated with education are pretty useless when it comes to understanding <laughs> pandemics, um, but that I have really smart friends and, and colleagues in, that are doing this work in the healthcare profession, including Lewis and Clark Public Health, including um, the amazing people over at, at St. Pete's Health, um, who have been willing to share their expertise. And uh, every time they say we need to be cautious of this or we need to be cognizant of something, they're right. And so right now they're saying we need to be cognizant of what's happening at Thanksgiving, what's happening at, at, over the holidays, and what that can mean for us in December and January. And I think we'd be very smart as a community to listen to them and make, again, some hard decisions that we don't want to make, but that we, we will have to make to keep our, our friends and our neighbors safe. Helena Public School Superintendent Tyler Ream with us this morning. We've got, uh, I don't know, about five minutes and change left with him. And I guess some of this uh, has to be anecdotal at this point, but how is the setup working so far? I, I know just in terms of the cohorts versus COVID, that's working. But in terms of teachers getting the new technology figured out, students buying in and, and, and working through what's admittedly a difficult setup, there's a lot of moving pieces here. It, there is. And, um, and I, I think, you know, if I really think about it, because you framed the last question around Thanksgiving, and if you had told me, hey, this is going to happen, and, and Thanksgiving is going to be right around the corner, and you wouldn't have shut a school, um, I would have been like, wow, that's amazing. Um, you know, it, it, especially what case counts are doing across the state and across um, our community. And I can't say this enough. I am incredibly thankful, even though I know some of my decisions likely drive them absolutely crazy. I'm incredibly thankful for um, our teachers, for our parents, our bus drivers, anybody in food services, our administrators, anybody that's associated with the Helena Public Schools that has made this work. I'm incredibly thankful for our kids. They have bought in, um, you know, visiting schools, seeing kids who are absolutely willing every single day to do whatever it takes to keep schools open. Um, to their parents who have worked through this incredibly frustrating model, right? This is this phase one model is incredibly complicated, um, but we have made it work, and we've we've been able to look at case counts. We've been able to look, especially at quarantines um, associated with schools, and say, "Wow, that phase one model, that distancing model, that that masking model, actually really does have a positive impact in terms of not having virus transmission occur." Um, I'm incredibly proud of, of what has occurred across our, our district. No matter how difficult it was or is to get here, I still believe we're doing the right thing. Yeah, and uh, just speaking from personal experience, I, I I think appropriate that you point out how well the students are doing with this thing because it is not easy for them. I've got a kid at home trying to learn German and auto tech half the week at home. Ooh. I can't imagine, you know, doing advanced math and physics and you know what they're doing online is 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 pretty incredible. And uh, you know, I I know there were students that kind of fell off the radar last year for various reasons. When you have all in building instruction obviously easier to make sure that they're the kids are there they're in class you can check on them when they're not and they're engaged I, I guess how does truancy work in the age of covid you know if they're a digital learning kid i mean how, how do we make sure that they're engaged and is that happening yeah so we've definitely i mean in in spring i think it's well documented that across the nation certainly true locally there was a drop-off there were students that we just lost that didn't engage and, and whether that be that they thought it was a two-week closure and they said, I'm taking a two-week break, and then it became a you know, two, three-month um, situation, and they never got caught up. 
we don't exactly know student by student what those situations were. Obviously, having them in person for any period of time during the week um, closes that gap and puts us in a much better place. Doesn't mean that we don't have challenges, and that you know we have challenges with you know students. Um, you know, when when that assignment isn't due the next day, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, or they've they've got that teacher there five days a week supporting them um, in person. There are ramifications that we continue to see associated with just the online aspect of school. And, and it's, it's something that's continuing across the nation, not just in K-12, but also in university systems as well. And so something that I know our, our teachers, our, definitely our administrators, are working to transcend. Um, our parents are working to transcend by you know checking in on that power school piece and saying, where's this assignment? How do we get this turned in? And, and, and you know, how do we close these gaps? Um, I think it is for all of us, it's, it's a journey. I also go back to this one word that we've used from the very beginning. It's grace. It's being able to provide one another grace. Um, the teachers who are teaching in a new platform they've never used before, um, giving them grace that, that, that we're learning every single day, giving our students grace that they're also doing something that they've never done before. Um, Everything is harder in this pandemic. I, I talked to a teacher last week. She said, Tyler, everything's harder. Planning is harder. Teaching is harder. Then she said, going to the grocery store is harder. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like, yeah. nothing is as easy as it once was, um, which all the more reason why we need to give each other a lot of space, a lot of support, a lot of grace um, to say, we're going to get through this together. Um, and, and whatever it takes, let's, let's figure out how to be successful and take care of one another. Helena Public School Superintendent Tyler Ream with us this morning. Uh, Tyler, we've only got 30 seconds left, but I don't want to uh, skip out of this interview without you getting to uh, praise the Capitol High volleyball team a little bit. That's not bad. Three-time champs. That was big time. They, uh, tough season, um, right? And, and I also want to give kudos to uh, our Bengals. Um, mm -hmm. they, they went through some, some tough spouts together and talk about resilient student athletes. Um, but, uh, you know, thank you to, to all of our student athletes and how they represented um, our Helena community. But uh, three-time champions, that is an unbelievable thing. Those uh, young ladies will look back 40 years from now. They probably don't understand exactly what they just did. 40 years from now, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, we did that. Um, and it's, it's a pretty amazing, rare thing. So congratulations, Bruins. Yeah, good things happening in uh, Helena Public Schools. Tyler Ream, uh, Helena Public School Superintendent, our guest this morning. We're all out of time. We always run out of time, but we'll be back tomorrow. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.